and welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. Uh, my name is Alan, and as always, I'm joined by my friend Ski. Hello. And Brent. Bogo. Today we are going to be going over episode nine, Blanche and the Younger Man. Uh, as always, we're going to start off with a recap of the episode and then talk about our favorite lines, MVP, as well as our rating out of eight slices of cheesecake as we march towards an ultimate decision for what the greatest episode of Golden Girls is. Sophia's Choice. Exactly. <laughs> Justice for Coco. <laughs> With, uh, without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Ski for the recap. All right. Episode 9, directed by Jim Drake, produced by Kathy Spear and Terry Grossman, co-produced by Marsha Posner-Williams, and created by Susan Harris. This one is actually written by James Berg and Stan Zimmerman. Mm. I don't know if I've seen those names before. I think they won the Emmy for this one. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Um, nope, sorry. Writers Guild of America Award. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, and they were just nominated. They did uh, not win. Obviously. Well, you really oversold it. <laughs> First off, you had them winning a much more, uh, I don't know, at least a bigger award as far as social uh, awareness goes. Mm -hmm. And then it was downgraded to a much lesser known award and just a nominee. <laughs> so yeah. It was almost like you just shit in their mouth with even mentioning it. Um, in my defense, you know, it's it's been a while. So. <laughs> I don't know. I have a pretty uh, pretty encyclopedic knowledge of the 1985 uh, Emmy nominations and whatnot, so I knew you were off base with that. Yeah. So that's why you were so surprised. That's right. Yeah. That's not what I remember. <laughs> exactly. From when I was six years old watching the Emmys. Exactly. <laughs> Just rooting for Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> watching and Dreyer. recording. All right. Well, my mom had a, a crush on that guy. Fred so. Dreyer? Yeah. yeah. I did too. <laughs> <laughs> when you were six years old. Exactly. No, I'm serious. I loved Hunter. I thought that was a great show. Stephanie Zimbalist. She was easy on the eyes. Mm. But yeah. I have very little memory of that show other than the lead actor in it. Um, so, I don't know. Not that your endorsement is going to make yeah. me go back and revisit it. Yeah. But, uh, but it is interesting to find out that you're a huge fan. Yeah. Um, he almost got the uh, Sam Malone role. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Um, and then they went with Ted Danson instead. It, because, like, Fred Dreyer was a professional football player. Mm. Um, then... Obviously, you know, Ted Danson doesn't look like a football player, so right. they made it a baseball player instead. I definitely think they made the right choice there. I mean, even Fred Dreyer's a, a fine actor in, yeah, in his yeah. own right. I think uh, the world is a better place for Ted Danson mm -hmm. uh, being a leading man. I agree. I think he's America's sweetheart. All right, so Ski, so we'll go ahead uh, <laughs> now with our accolades for Fred Dreyer and uh, Sam or uh, Ted Danson out of the way. <laughs> now we can move on <laughs> to the other matters. Are you sure? We should really. I, we haven't explored that enough. I mean, at this point, we don't know who won the Writers Guild Award for that year, nor the Emmy um, for writing. Could it have been Cheers? <laughs> it, it, it may have been. I mean, it's entirely possible. So Let's see. it was. If you'll bear with me, I don't know. Never mind. All right. <laughs> high quality, high quality entertainment here. <laughs> Everybody's on the edge of their seats waiting to find out what we can look up on Wikipedia. Okay. No, I'm not. Hold on. Oh, IMDB, don't let me down. <laughs> the episode opens with Sophia coming out of the kitchen. She's got a bunch of stuff uh, on a uh, plate, if I recall. Mm -hmm. And Dorothy comes in and says, well, what are you doing with all that? And she says she's uh, hiding it because uh, we find out that uh, Rose's mother is coming over. And she says that, you know, old people are all the same. They, uh, 
you know, I'll have this. Apparently, she has a special diet. Right. Rose ordered a wheelchair for the uh, flight, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she put an air, t- an oxygen tank of some kind, or air mm-hmm. tank of some kind, in the garage, and was also uh, had ordered a special meal. So, mm-hmm. Sophia's impression of uh, this lady is that she's got all these special needs, but then if she's on a special diet, you know, everybody's special diet is once they see what you have, they want it. Right. Yeah, so, their special diet is whatever you have available, basically. <laughs> so. so, real quick, I'm sorry. That's um, fine. So, yeah, that year, Cheers wasn't one of the nominees for the Writers Guild. Um, the Golden Girls were up against uh, Night Court ah. and Cosby Show, um, but all three of them lost to a very special Kate Nally. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, but the previous year, um, you know, Cheers had two episodes nominated. Cosby Show had one. Moonlighting, the pilot, was also nominated. Um, as was Webster. Very nice. And then the year before that, you know, we had, oh, Cheers won, you know, and it beat out Aftermath. Two different episodes of Cheers, along with a Family Ties, a Night Court, and a Too Close for Comfort, which I didn't realize got much critical. Cheers had four episodes the previous year before that. And oh. if you'd like uh, more information <laughs> on this, uh, you can definitely tune into Brent's uh, latest episode of <laughs> Classic Writers Guild. It's a fine podcast. <laughs> Available <laughs> wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. <laughs> but, you know, for right now, we don't want to give away too much of that because, you know, that, that's behind a paywall, I believe. Um, <laughs> and so we don't want to, you know, have them kill the golden goose. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I've been in front of this microphone for like four hours now, so <laughs> you can forgive me for spinning some straw. <laughs> well, I don't think you spun it into gold. I'll at least say that much. <laughs> no rumble still action going on here. So let's. Ha- how about we roll? We we spin some uh, into uh, golden girls. Sounds uh-huh. sounds uh-huh. like a terrible pun. That's it was. Mm. <laughs> All right, so so at this point we've gotten again just <laughs> to the opening, opening scene. Uh, Sophia holding the or hiding the food because Alma is coming to town, Rose's mom. Right, and she's afraid she's going to eat all of her food. Right, well, then she has special needs or whatnot. Right. Anyway, back to it. <laughs> Another anyway. I know he always laughs about anyways. <laughs> well, I think he's laughing at your special needs comment. <laughs> you definitely made it sound like Rose's mom. Yeah, I mean, I think people could argue that she? Rose may have had special needs, yeah. at least in the uh, way that she responded to most interactions. <laughs> well, we do find out, like, I don't know. This episode's the outlier as far as Rose's special needs parents go. Because in all future episodes, uh, her parents are referred to as little people. Oh. <laughs> is so that right? Obvi- yeah. I didn't remember that. And obviously, in this episode, you know, Alma Lindstrom is not a little person. <laughs> well, perhaps even all the Golden Girls are also little people, and we don't realize that the outside world is all giants. <laughs> 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 they only only associate with their own kind. Exactly. <laughs> Dorothy's really only four foot tall, and exactly. she's a giant among little people. Exactly. So now when I'm casting my fan fiction, Coco is going to be played by Peter Dinklage. <laughs> that seems almost too tall. Well, yeah, it could be. Um. In any event, Dorothy uh, <laughs> encourages her to be nice to uh, Rose's mom when she gets there. They walk into the kitchen and, uh, or they walk out of the kitchen and Blanche is actually standing in the doorway talking to a uh, younger man, 
who we find out is her is it yoga instructor. No, it was jazzercise maybe. Aerobics or something yeah. of that nature. Exercise instructor. Yeah. yeah. Then uh, he asks, you know, she says you'll see him next, you know, class. And he says, well, unless, you know, you would like to go out with me, basically. Mm-hmm. She's like, did you hear that? You know, I just got asked out. And Sophia, of course, quips back, says, are you deaf? I heard that, and I'm standing all the way over here. Now, did they explain in that why Dirk was bringing her home in the first place? It seemed odd that her exercise instructor was, yeah, <laughs> was there at her door anyway. I mean, unless he walks all of his uh, clients home. Yeah. <laughs> or unless, again, you know, I know we've talked before about this possibly being a, um, a retirement community or a uh, condo. So perhaps Dirk is employed by the condo yeah. association. <laughs> That's um, possible. So. Now, I, I think there may actually be a better uh, explanation for it. Okay. Now, later on, we find out that he really likes spending time with her. Right. You know, we'll get into why at mm. a later time. But, sure. you know, Blanche is interpreting this. Romantically. Yeah. yeah. Thinking that he's he's uh, digging on her, basically. Mm-hmm. So. Is that a thing? What, digging, digging on, on somebody? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable term. I've heard heard that before. If not, I'm going to coin it and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to own it. Yeah, it's a legitimate thing now, if nothing else. <laughs> So, uh, Mr. Dirk exits, and uh, uh, basically Blanche says, you know, how about I look into my uh, date book, and I'll get back to you, mm-hmm. which definitely means yes, right. <laughs> as far as the, the you know, viewer is concerned. It's really not that much younger than her, like maybe 15 years or so. Well, by today's standards, I, I think that that's, you know, becoming more common, you know, certainly... You know, age gaps going, you know, it's, it's always been more common for a, an older man dating a younger woman. But I would yeah. say back in the early 80s or early to mid 80s, it was mm-hmm. certainly less common. I mean, I don't think the you know, whole term of cougar was even coined until probably sometime in the maybe late 90s or something around that. Maybe even the, the 2000s. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that it was, I think a woman dating 15 years younger than her, especially where... Yeah. That's a significant 15 years. Yeah. You know, like 15 years, if you're 65 and dating a 50-year-old, it yeah. doesn't feel like as much. But if you're, you know, 50 and dating a 30 or, you know, 35-year-old, it feels like a bigger difference. Yeah. Well, of course, Blanche is quite pleased with herself that she just got asked out by a younger man. Of right. course, a attractive, like, like in-shape younger man. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Rose and her mom enter. Rose kind of does, you know, introductions. And it seems like she's talking very loudly, introducing all of her friends. Right. And then Dorothy introduces herself also quite loudly mm. to uh, Rose's mom. Oh, yeah. Rose definitely has given the impression that her mom is nearly deaf at this <laughs> point. And I did, just to briefly go back, I did like one line uh, where in that prior part when you know Blanche is, is referring to Dirk. And she says, uh, strictly off the record, but Dirk is nearly five years younger than I am, <laughs> uh, which I, I enjoyed that that little bit, but... Sorry, going back to Dorothy <laughs> screaming to uh, Rose's mom because that's the way she thinks that she needs needs to in order well, to hear. And then uh, Rose's mom even asks, "So which one of them is hard of hearing?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> they said, "No, no, mom. You know, we're trying to speak loudly so that you don't have to strain to hear us." And she's like, "What are you talking about? My ears are fine, basically." Right. And at this point, we see that Rose is very babying of her mom, and she's like, "Oh, how about you sit down? I'll make you a snack." Uh, Blanche wants to take her on a tour of the house, which is, as we know, not a very big house. Mm-hmm. And Rose thinks that's preposterous. Like, no, no, she's had too much of a big day. She needs rest. You know, how about I have her take a nap while I make this snack for her? 
You think the snack was going to be her patented giant sandwich homemade potato salad? I hope so. <laughs> I would have to think for her twelve um, course meal like. enfeebled old mother. It'd have to be like maybe some oatmeal <laughs> or <laughs> you know something extremely mild, bland that requires no chewing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this tasty wheat, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a completely unflavored plain oatmeal would be my <laughs> guess. Just some soggy cornflakes. Yeah. <laughs> These cornflakes will be ready for you in about 20 minutes, Mom. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> not frosted. You want to act Delicious. No, definitely not. But uh, you know, she says to Rose that she doesn't need to take a nap. She's not a child. And she's like, no, it's no big deal, Mom. Bob Hope takes naps. <laughs> right. Which Bob Hope at that point would have been... He would have had to have been in his 80s, I would think, by by um, the mid-80s. Yeah, I would think be so, close, yeah. Which, I don't know. I mean, I guess the way they play it, that would make him... Right up her age. Yeah, so. not too far off. Still a bit older, I would th- say, than the yeah. mother, but um, but not significantly But debonair. So. It's <laughs> yeah. Bob Hope, Alan. Oh, well, definitely. And if he <laughs> takes naps, then it's good Ooh, enough for all yeah. of us. So. Yeah. Bob Hope was like the richest man in California for the longest time. Yeah, well, I've heard he was uh, famously cheap. Yeah, um, yeah. But... Uh, Owned a ton of land. So. Yeah, that's right. It was Conan was talking about that in one episode. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's a good podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that is a fine <laughs> podcast, and I rarely hear them talk about uh, other podcasts in, in that podcast unless it's one that's on their network. So I'm a giver. Yeah. Well, yeah, I understand. Well, and you've already, you know, are, are working to promote your new podcast about the Writers Guild. So. <laughs> <laughs> so Blanche uh, then you know kind of changes subject saying. I think I can handle a subject or a, a relationship with a younger man. I'm going to make it work. Then she says he's nearly five years younger than I am. And Dorothy responds, in what? Dog years? <laughs> Which is actually, I think, my favorite line of this, this episode. Yeah, yeah. She I does agree. mention it twice. So if you're wondering, because she does say it uh, earlier, and then she brings it up again when they're in the group setting. No, I think I may have jumped ahead when I said I was jumping back. I think oh. I actually did jump ahead now. And she now. does mention it twice. I don't remember at what point. I don't think she mentions the five years twice. Oh though. yeah, he's slightly younger than me or something. Right. Yeah. 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 yeah but the five years just once. So. But uh, and then she says, you know, that you know, going to be some eruption of uh, passion, <laughs> and Sophia makes a comment like, "Look out, we're going to get something on us." <laughs> right. <laughs> Turn. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't Very sure much. like what flu is you referring to. Exactly. <laughs> and why are they red? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, of course, then Blanche segues that into a, a another story about her younger years. Mm-hmm. You know, she was she claims in her seventeenth summer, I assume, oh, yeah, I when she was seventeen, uh, and then she talks about how she was uh, at the uh, store looking at was it uh, perfume or something. Cuticle scissors or something. Well, well, shoot, but no, no, that was the uh, the request. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, you're right. A, a debonair man asks her, you know, where the yeah. cuticle scissors are, yeah. and they look deep into each other's eyes, mm-hmm. and for a moment, they were the only ones on the earth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Dorothy kind of cuts her and says, "Kind of speed it up. You're, you're taking your sweet time here telling the story, like like someone else I know." Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she and she kind of cuts ahead to say. You know, if I had trusted my gut, I'd uh, this day I'd be Mrs. Andy Griffith. <laughs> then when she leaves, kind of storms off. I don't know, storms off, but like walks out kind of in a huff. Sophia and Dorothy say to each other, didn't she tell us that story before? And it's like, yeah, but it was a different uh, actor. <laughs> and yeah, it was John Cameron Swayze. Oh, okay. 
I didn't, I didn't look that one up. I don't know who that one was. Yeah, I'm not sure. Do you know who John Cameron Swayze is offhand? He was a pitch man who's um, like Rolex, like takes a lick and it keeps on ticking. Oh, okay. That okay. was him. Okay, very nice. Like any any relation to Patrick? I don't believe so. Okay. I don't believe so, but they could both dance. Oh, very well. It could. Yeah. Dirty? I I don't know. I mean, I assume he did the Lindy. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I just don't think they're doing a lot of dancing nowadays. Is all I am saying. Yeah. No. no he, I think he lived till ninety eight. Oh, like, did he really? Nineteen ninety eight. Oh, okay. So he had another. He was thirteen years away from death when they mentioned him in this. Very episode. nice. Yeah. We're in the next scene now. We're in the living room. Dorothy is lying on the couch, uh, as Blanche is doing some exercises, watching a video. And uh, you can tell she's she's straining to do uh, the moves that it's talking about. Uh, one, she's got her like legs up in a weird prone position, mm-hmm. and uh, Dorothy s- states that the only time I'm ever in that position is when I'm giving birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Blanche says, you know, her back hurts, but it's worth it because of no pain, no gain, mm-hmm. that kind of attitude, and that uh, she wants to get herself in prime shape to be in this relationship with Dirk. Keep in mind, at this stage, she's not even gone out with him yet. Right. She just knows him from class. Mm-hmm. But uh, then she goes up and she starts taking some supplements also, like fish oils and stuff like that. Dorothy says, well, if you've got to go through all this, what kind of relationship is this even going to be? And she's like, a, a youthful relationship, with a relationship I want to be part of. So I don't know. You can't really argue with that, I guess. I'm sorry. We can't argue with that. What well, you, you can. But, okay. uh, <laughs> what, sorry, what did you say? No, that's what I said. Okay. I said, gotcha. I said, well, if, if, being if, in a youthful relationship, yeah. you can't argue with that. Uh, you know, well, that goal? Well, that someone wants that. Oh, okay. Fair I enough. I suppose you could de- degrade it. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't so. say that you would argue that people would want to be in a youth relationship. I guess you could just argue if the uh, effort is worth oh, such, a, yeah. such a relationship. Which is what I think Dorothy's getting at. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But your default position that, you know, you would enjoy a relationship with a man 15 years younger than you? Of course I would. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I he'd, he'd keep me young, Alan. Yeah, I don't <laughs> doubt that at all. Uh, and and if you ever do decide to uh, you know take a different path in life, you know, <laughs> I want you to know that I fully support that. Well, I feel very supported. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I don't think you'll have to worry about that. Just mm-hmm. throwing that out there. Uh, I think if Coco can live his truth, so can you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think there's one thing that eight and a third episodes of this podcast have taught us. It's that uh, we need to be ready for whatever eventuality comes from your direction. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I fully support whatever that eventuality is. Like the record to reflect that unrelated to all this, I'm now sitting three feet further from Ski than normal. <laughs> Brent is less woke. He's half asleep. <laughs> Whereas I'm wide awoke. So. AF, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. And uh, Dorothy even said, you know, Blanche states that she's getting younger by the day taking these supplements. I guess she hasn't been eating either, really. And, uh, she says she's getting younger by the day and says, Dorothy, Dorothy says, great, when they defrost Walt Disney, he'll have someone to go out with. A little Disney product placement there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that uh, that was a little nod to their uh, overlords at ABC? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, so if she's getting younger by the day, what age was not Walt around 66 or, or in that ballpark when he died? Who, what? Walt Disney. Um, yeah, yeah. 
I don't understand how her reversing the aging process would help with Walt Disney being thought out. It seems like she would still, at that point, not be meeting him halfway. <laughs> like, she wasn't <laughs> aging back down to Walt Disney. Exactly. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm not sure if Dorothy was implying that, like, when Frozen Walt comes back, he's going to uh, want a child bride. <laughs> could be. <laughs> Which then now it sounds like they're taking a shot of their corporate overlords. Exactly. <laughs> well, Blanche kind Doesn't of... Doesn't uh, seem reasonable, though, that Walt Disney would be the kind of guy who would freeze himself <laughs> so he could. Yeah, I mean, someone who's really into innovation and whatnot yeah. and, and has, I don't know, capacity for a, a fairly active imagination yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, you'd think that they would take the steps to say, hey, you mm-hmm. know, maybe this would be a possibility it, down the road. Exactly. What do you got to lose? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it, if they never come up with any way to reanimate your body and cure whatever disease you have, then mm-hmm. you're not out anything exactly. <laughs> that you would have been anyway. So Exactly. And you certainly have enough uh, wealth to, you know. Yeah, to take care of the expenses. Yeah, 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 it's kind of innovation you expect from Walt Disney. Yeah, I would think so. (laughs) Uh, And if he ever does, uh, you know, get thawed out and take back over the parks, then I'm I'm sure, you know, the country will be all the better for it. (laughs) Frozen (laughs) three. Now, do you think that Walt would be? He was definitely a forward-thinking person in general, but there are, uh, you know theories out there uh, there's definitely some possibilities that he may have been a nazi sympathizer yeah yeah <laughs> now now i've also heard that he also employed a lot of jewish people as well so i wouldn't necessarily go so far as say he was anti-semitic but perhaps a nazi sympathizer so maybe somewhere where he covered both ends of the spectrum somehow saw maybe maybe in Walt's opinion there were fine people on both sides of the argument. I'm having trouble following your logic here. You're like, well, he can't be anti-Semitic. He hired Jews. No, I'm saying that perhaps he was both. Perhaps he... He can't be racist. His slaves were black. <laughs> no, I, mean, no, I don't think that... Because that, that, slaves obviously indicates... I don't think that his Jewish employees were indentured servants. Um, I would just say that you could argue that... He basically wasn't willing to condemn either side. He wasn't anti-Semitic because he, yeah. but he also wasn't going to condemn the Nazis, yeah. who um, you know who were themselves quite anti-Semitic. So, yeah, um, yeah I, guess I don't, I don't know if I'm going on a limb there by saying the Nazis were anti-Semitic, <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm, I'm a risk taker, so I'll just put it out there. Yeah, yeah. I guess he was just sort of like the Jay Leno of his time. He's like, I just want to entertain both sides. Yeah, it know? could be. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that would be uh, probably the fairest assessment um, yeah. at least that we're qualified to make which is almost no assessment <laughs> whatsoever <laughs> based on the most specious of, uh, <laughs> of reasoning that, uh, i've been highly entertained by this conversation honestly well and, and i'm sure almost all of it is a borderline on complete <laughs> drivel but um but as long as it's entertained at least one that's one more than i had expected so I applaud you for not trying to extricate yourself from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so where were we at? Uh, we were talking, oh, uh, Blanche was doing exercises. Right. Uh, Dorothy was like, why would you go through all that if you don't have to? Uh, Blanche goes off for a run then, just as uh, Rose is kind of entering the room. Rose says to Blanche, oh, you look great. And the door closes and says, Rose, Rose says, uh, Blanche looks horrible. Yeah. And they discuss then how she hasn't been eating anything other than these, like, you know, supplements and stuff. And uh, so, obviously, that's not very good for you. 
But uh, <laughs> and for more nutrition tips, <laughs> you can turn into the Skeezy New Podcast. <laughs> Skeezy eating. Skeezy eating. <laughs> How about skeezy uh, meals? Yeah, that like. could be. Mm-hmm. Although that sounds like the skeevy meals. Yeah, uh, kind of. So. Like skeezy sounds pretty bad too. Well, yeah, yeah it does. I, I don't think either one are going to be. There's a performer out there named G Easy. Mm-hmm. I could be ski easy. That's true. Yeah, and create a podcast about your <laughs> eating plan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Rose is at home early from work because she wants to go spend time with her mom, <laughs> who is not there. <laughs> Welcome to episode thirty-seven of Ski Easy. <laughs> this week, I'll teach you how to make my ass blast and chili. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you can blast your way into a thirty-two-inch waist. Exactly. <laughs> Dorothy uh, tells her that she's out. Uh, she's gone to the track uh, with uh, Sophia, and she's like, "You let her out of the house, right?" And as I promised in the last episode, she says, "Yes." She tunneled her way out. With the uh, with a dessert spoon, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, that obviously is also not true. <laughs> <laughs> Those feeble arms, right. she could never get it. <laughs> That's true. Not through that, uh, you know. Well, I don't know. Miami. She if might get through the first level of carpet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe she get through the first level of carpeting, mm-hmm. but she would soon tire and need a a, a long awaited nap with Bob Hope. <laughs> right. Exactly. But uh, obviously Rose is upset. She's a little bit worried that her mom's not out there. And it's almost dark. Again, it's like bright out. Yeah. You look through the uh, window in the kitchen. But uh, Dorothy tries to console her and says, no, you know, she's fine. She's with, you know, Sophia. She'd be fine. And uh, she's like, well, that's that's different. Sophia's different. She's, she's your mother. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you know, my mom's had a very sheltered life. She's not used to the same kind of busy stuff to do that uh, Sophia does, I guess. And then uh, they actually enter in the room at that point, very excited. Uh, Sophia apparently has lost $50, but Rose's mom is up 400 Yeah, yeah, she's apparently had quite the day at the track. Exactly. Um, I wonder how much she went to gamble with to begin with. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've only been to a, a horse racing track maybe twice in my life, yeah. I think, two or three times, and I didn't come out a winner yeah. the times I went, but I also was there more for the – I don't know, experience of just going, not so much to put a bunch of money down on the on the ponies. But uh, how well do you think the ponies run in the Miami heat? I, I wouldn't <laughs> think all that well. I'd have to think that rarely does a race end with all the ponies, <laughs> you know, continuing on to race again. Like, I would think that they probably have, like, dog racing down there. Yeah. But, like, horse racing seems like it'd be a bit much in that heat. Well, I mean, I, you know, Miami does have, I'm sure, some variation in the temperature. So perhaps they'd be in the time of year that would be a little bit less oppressive for our <laughs> I mean, equine I, friends. I mean, if last episode was like May 11th, May 12th, or whatever, this is what May 19th. Okay, or so yeah. So then this would definitely be you know heading into the <laughs> thick of the summer at this <laughs> point. Maybe it's an indoor horse track. <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> um. Like a Dollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have one of those? Like they have a. Like for the Dolly Dixie, like the dinner theater Okay, thing. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, My wife has actually been to the Dixie Stampede. I've only gone um, to the Christmas show, and that's a hell of a show. I strongly encourage that for everybody. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go to the regular year-round thing, but the Christmas one I'm all about. It's really good. I'll keep that under advisement. Mm-hmm. But anyway. It's like you oh. go, like, 
during the regular year or whatever, and you have to like sit like you're neither the north or the south. Okay. You know? So even if you choose the right side, you're still dining with people who intentionally chose the wrong side. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it'd be really hard to enjoy your meal. <laughs> but if you go for the Christmas show, then it's like, you know, North Pole Elves and South Pole Elves. So you know what they're choosing, but you can sort of sort of play dumb and be like, well, they just prefer the South Pole. <laughs> like they must like penguins. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you can delude yourself. But yeah, um, it's a good Christmas show. It really is. The food's really good, too. And that's part she remembered. I remember she told me she loved the food. Mm-hmm. Food is really good. And the Christmas show is just so crazy because, like, the big grand finale, um, like, Mary and Joseph and Jesus descend from the rafters while Santa to ride Claus horses? circles no. around them. In a oh, sled wow. And everything. And then there's reindeer. <laughs> like, it's the craziest thing. You mean like the Bible? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and there's a rodeo clown named Skeeter. Ah. <laughs> it's just so amazingly good. I mean, it's probably the finest piece of legitimate theater I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and you're quite the connoisseur. So. Exactly. <laughs> You've been to three Jeff Dunham shows. <laughs> Still, <laughs> exactly. I didn't think he was going to pull out Akbar, but then, bam! Second encore. <laughs> now, when you go down, <laughs> when you head down for your uh, Christmas show, do you make a stop off at the Yakov Smirnov Theater in Gatlinburg um, to, you know, take in take in some of the comedy stylings there as well? No, no, um, we're run, usually running behind schedule because of our stop at Rock City. Oh. <laughs> so, Fair um, yeah, yeah, I just got to make sure the kids appreciate it. Mm. Don't want them to take it for granted. And I, I may be wrong. That Yakov Smirnoff <laughs> Theater may be in a maybe in Branson, actually. So I mean, a little, little off, off pace. So. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. So they get back from the track. They do. Almost up 400 bucks at this point. Yeah, 400 big smackaroos. Mm-hmm. And uh, she says to Sophia, you know, what time's the mall close? I feel like getting wild. And she even offers to buy her some fancy bikini underwear. Sophia declines because she says it rides up. Right. Rose then steps in and says, no, no, mom. You know, you've, you've had a long day. It's uh Time to get to bed, obviously. She had a lot of fun because last time she was tired and she fell, or last time she got tired, she fell and broke her hip. You know, so you don't want that to happen again, do you, Mom? And she's like, do you remember I was ice skating when that happened? Right. So basically she's countering it with, you know, I was doing something active and fun. <laughs> I wasn't just, you know, fe- feebling around and hurt myself. Uh, and stop mothering me. You're kind of smothering me here to... Uh, that this trip has not been going very well. Right. You may be sorry I came. And then you can tell Rose is very hurt by by when she says this. And her mom storms away towards the living room. Then we kind of cut to the scene. And we have Rose standing at the front door looking out into darkness, concerned that her mother is not home yet. And then that they've gone shopping. And uh, Dorothy says, you know, you just checked the door two minutes ago. And she says, well, I thought I heard something. Mother's not there. And they... Uh, Shortly, Sophia comes back, and Rose asks where her mom had gone. And she says, well, she, uh, she took the bus, and she's going out to uh, check on High Lie. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, I don't know what High is either. It's a, I don't know if you guys have, are familiar. It's like a giant like a mitt. It's like a big curved mitt. Okay. It's like made of wood, and then you've got like a ball that you launch out of that mitt. And it like it's, it's kind of like racquetball, if I remember, or squash. Or lacrosse or something? 
No, like, not lacrosse, but like like they're basically like throwing like using this uh, big giant curve. So Psalm is playing this or betting on it? Ah, uh, well, there there's an actual joke in that. So Dorothy asks, "Well, why didn't you go with her?" And she says, "I'm too short to play high lie, but really, it's like a professional sport, and it's okay. actually quite dangerous, if I recall." Gotcha. So Alma's betting on it. Yeah, I'm sure she is. But like these these bits launch balls at like 100 miles an hour or something crazy. Well, so here's this little known sport. Uh, you know, I mean, granted, maybe at a certain time it was slightly more known than yeah. it is at this point in time. Yeah. Seems like an odd thing to go and bet on. Like, how would you even know who was, yeah, you know, the thinking. team or individual to put your money down on? It seems like the kind of sport in which, you like, you know, you you do the thing and the ball and you get one point or whatever. Right. Like, what's the spread? On yeah. One point <laughs> game like that. Yeah. Well, and how many people are on a team? Like, I feel like I need to do more research into what mm-hmm. highlight is to find out if it seems like a good, exactly. You know, a good. A possibility for betting. I mean, grand, you know, you can bet on anything nowadays. Yeah, yeah, but exactly. uh, it's kind of just like putting your money on black or red. Yeah, it seems like <laughs> it. So. Well, at least then you have some sort of an idea if you won or not. Like, you know, <laughs> if I put down fifty dollars on a cricket match, I'm dependent upon somebody telling me whether I won or not. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah, because yeah, I have oh. no idea. Exactly. You know, I mean, I guess I can look at what I assume the final score is, and exactly. you know, but yeah, is it throughout supposed the course to be higher game, or lower? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's like I could not put together like my my fantasy cricket league. It was like, okay, well, I had Chauncey St. John at the <laughs> second wicket. He has just used more cricket terms than I know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I don't think any of them are actual cricket terms. He's just, I don't know. He's just creative at making up words. Uh, knowing that her mom is out there uh, unattended basically uh, she uh, Rose even uh, states that you know she could be out there getting mugged by hostile teenagers with bad haircuts right I think that's my favorite line from this movie (laughs) from the movie (laughs) from this episode did I say that last time too no I think last time we had episode it's that episode but I think we're all getting a little punchy this is our second episode that we're recording for uh, this day and I think we're all uh, it's starting to devolve a little bit. Not that it ever was that high <laughs> fluting to begin with, but um, uh, definitely seems to be going, uh, getting a little punchy as we go through here. So. Well, anyway, Dorothy tries to kind of console her, saying, "Oh no, you're overreacting. Things are fine." And just then, because you know, perfect timing, of course, the phone rings. Rose, you know, hustles to get to the phone and picks it up, and of course, it is again the police. Because the police have to be involved in most episodes. Yeah, police again. Uh, this is a so this is what episode nine and at least four um, <laughs> four of the nine episodes have had police involvement. Well, I mean, in the last episode, I think they had like four different run-ins. Yeah, or at least law. potential run-ins. Now it was all though around one thing other than the you know knee to the <laughs> safety deposit. <box. laughs> right. I mean, there was that one. There was the macing. Mm-hmm. Where, um, oh, yeah, she had gone to check. <laughs> exactly. Um, um, and then the firing a gun, which may or may not have involved a police run. Right. There, there was at least several incidents that could have involved a police. So, mm-hmm. um, But, yeah, the police definitely seemed to be a quite active part of the Golden Girl's life. <laughs> so uh, Rose uh, you know, is talking to the cops on the phone, and apparently they picked up her mom, who told, they told her that she had been lost and disoriented. Mm-hmm. We later find out that's not exactly true. But uh, Dorothy says, well, let me come with you. And she's like, no, no, you've been quite enough helping him <laughs> at this point. So then Rose uh, pops out. So, yeah, like the high-low game. 
it's like the standard size scoop or whatever. So like, it's not like a big giant. <laughs> okay, so it's not this enormous scoop the ski is describing. <laughs> that uh, you would describe like a lady's cross. I, I, I think uh, that is the the home version. the The professional high lie is more in depth. It's a much bigger scoop. I think okay, he's so, underselling high lie, Alan. So, so just so the listening audience knows, <laughs> Brent is showing us a picture of what would appear to be average size scoops that someone would use to throw a ball back and forth. You know, perhaps in a backyard. And Ski is disputing that this is what a professional high-life player would use, <laughs> uh, saying that it would be a much larger, uh, more oversized mitt that would be used to rocket this ball from one end to the other. So you're thinking of it's going to be something like, like that thing? No, that's lacrosse. Yes, now Brent's trying to trip Ski up by throwing, <laughs> showing him a lacrosse stick, uh, just trying to, I guess, hopefully uh, catch Ski. He's not going to beat me on my guard. high line knowledge, Alan. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's unparalleled at this he, table. You can have cricket. Comes. I'm high line. <laughs> Wait, is it high lie or high low? High lie. Okay. <laughs> Which it's not even spelled how you think, if I recall. It's like J I L Y or something. It's it's weird. Okay. I the only reason I know that is because it's talked about in Mad Men, which me and Nikki have been watching. Watching. Oh, okay. Fair so enough. That, that is the basis of my highlight knowledge. Oh. Now, J A I. J A I A L A I. Maybe. Yeah. A few episodes back, I was drinking a beer while we recorded one of these things. Mm-hmm. And it was a. Uh, that was the name of the beer that I was drinking. Oh, okay. So, yeah, but yeah. Like, it all I remember together. that beer was in a giant scoop, remember? <laughs> <laughs> it was. That I placed in a hat helmet thing <laughs> right <laughs> well yeah look at that dude he's got a big old scoop yeah him. that is a much larger scoop than what you were trying to pass off so yeah I think yep, there that's that I looks like it ski just took you to pound town <laughs> <laughs> knowledge wise <laughs> <laughs> back to the episode right uh so rose leaves unhappy obviously to go pick up her mom from the police station uh, meanwhile, uh, Blanche emerges from the back, and she's in a nice dress. Uh, still looks like an old lady dress to me, but her, uh, her her phrase is something along the lines of, I have turned back the clock of time or something. Mm. She says, my face is smooth, my body is taut, <laughs> and my gears are grinding. Which is the part that I didn't much care for. <laughs> but her, her gears are grinding. They really grind your gears. Well, no, it just sounds like she's dry. Oh. <laughs> so so her, 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 if her gears were all lubricated, they <laughs> exactly. wouldn't be grinding? Exactly. <laughs> so apparently this younger man did not uh, did not get her, exactly. you know, turn back the, the hands of that particular clock. Exactly. <laughs> you got a dusty evening. <laughs> well, we already know about the estrogen pills they have around the house, so... <laughs> Used to have, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> before the criminals, <laughs> the, the junkies, drug dealers <laughs> broke him, right? Exactly. To talk to my mother in law, make sure she hides her rescue dinner or flower, <laughs> right? That's <laughs> <laughs> the only safe place, yeah, definitely. Uh, Dorothy reminds her that you know, no matter what you do, you're still gonna be your own age, and then uh, she goes to the door, or, sh- or rather, she goes on to say, you know, Dirk, she goes on about Dirk not seeing an older woman. I don't know what that is. I didn't write these notes. You have to edit this out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to tell. No, I got it. I'm, I'm, uh, thank you, though. <laughs> uh, 
back to it. <laughs> I'd like to Blanche. think stage direction in there. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, make eye contact with Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Brent. Wink. Say. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Blanche insists that, you know, you know whether or not uh, they they have faith in this relationship, that her instincts on this are quote unquote infallible, mm. and that she knows men. And uh, then Dorothy says, "You'll have no arguments from me on that one." <laughs> uh, then the doorbell rings. It is uh, Dirk. She goes up to it, and uh, Dirk says, "You look lovely." She says, "I didn't have time to put on my makeup. Would you mind meeting me in the car?" Then the door closes. She uh, kind of brags to the friends that she just got a big compliment from the younger man. Right. Her gears haven't grown like that since her 17th summer. That's right. That's right. And when she was the 26-year-old Andy Griffith. <laughs> <laughs> Is there really a yeah. nine-year difference between them? Yep. Yeah. I took a look on that when we were, I don't know, meandering through some other parts. So. And she says something along the lines of, I'm going to live forever. And then she, she exits. Uh, next scene, uh, we're with uh, Dorothy in the kitchen. She's uh, under the sink repairing the plumbing, I guess, underneath the uh, the sink itself. Sophia's with her. Dorothy says, you know, being under there is like the uh, first time she's got some peace and quiet mm-hmm. between Rose being, uh, or rather Blanche being, trying to be the younger woman, and uh, Rose being a mother hen to her mom. Yeah. You know, it's been kind of overbearing. And uh, then Sophia says, and you're trying to become a... Johnny Plummer or something. I yeah. forget what she mm-hmm. said. Mm-hmm. So this is this episode nine. Is this the third episode in which they've had a house guest? Uh, you mean someone staying there at the yeah. house? Well, I mean, if you count the first episode where, you know, technically Sophia was a house guest. Yeah. Um, and then they had the son or the grandson that was yeah. a house guest also. Yeah. And then did Brent Blanche's sister stay at the house or did she stay somewhere else? think she stayed somewhere else okay technically. but yeah she visited um and now obviously rose's mom mm-hmm. is visiting and then didn't dorothy's daughter stay there when she yeah. was getting married or yeah something? i think she did that's right yeah yeah so about half the episodes are police and the other half are <laughs> right <laughs> and some mix the two <laughs> yeah. so. well and dorothy says you know in doing the uh the plumbing works herself she saved roughly fifty dollars mm-hmm. or fifty dollars at least right and Sophia says, well, you know, that's about how much I lost, so you're, you're even. <laughs> right. Then you hear commotion uh, in the living room, and uh, Rose and Alma walk in. Alma explains that she's, you know, been flagged down, and she, she was taken by the police un- unfairly. She mm-hmm. was just trying to fly down the cops to get some directions, and they misinterpreted her as being, you know, disheveled or, or lost. Yeah, it seems weird because Alma definitely doesn't come off as like a doddering old woman at all. So it seems weird that a cop would just be like, oh, this woman wants direction. She's crazy. Yeah, clearly <laughs> she she's uh, off her meds or... Uh, yeah. In the police officer's defense, she does fit the description of a woman who need a man in a box. So you think they've been searching all this time? Exactly. And the mother-daughter resemblance is so striking that, uh, that it definitely could have been her. Um, exactly. You got an alibi for May 13th. Because <laughs> we got a man with a broken safe deposit box. That 
<laughs> would like to press charges. <laughs> going to pick her knee out of a lineup. <laughs> anyway, so she says, you know, the police dragged her off the station and, and it was unfair. Uh, Rose says she was only trying to help. And then uh, Alma says, you know, you had no right to scold me in front of them. That was, you know, very insulting that they won't talk about it now. And, and Rose says, well, you know, you're in a bad, uh, having a bad attitude. I think you're tired. You should go lay down. We'll talk about it in the morning. Alma says, I won't be here in the morning. I'm going to leave early. And uh, I'm sure I'll have a better time at your brother's house. Yeah, in Houston, I think, is where the brother yeah, lives at. I think you're right. Rose is very upset, obviously, by this. Dorothy kind of calms her down and says, can I talk to you, you know, Daughter to daughter because you know they're both they both got moms that are right there. Yeah, <laughs> as most people do have moms. Eh, not everyone else. <laughs> Some people all they have is highlight. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they say, hey, you remember when we were kids? You know when we were you know budding teenagers, what we wanted most from our moms? And she's like, a training bra. <laughs> <laughs> it was the budding word. <laughs> yeah. That's what it implies. Yeah, it's, yeah. Fair enough, yeah. So using the term budding definitely yeah. would make uh, training bra seem to be an appropriate response. Uh-huh. And she's like, no, no, no. We want to be treated like adults. And now that, you know, our we're adults and our moms are getting older, now we're treating them like uh, they're small children and they need to be looked after all the time. Yeah. You know, we're coming up on, like, I don't know, my favorite line of the episode. All right. Well, if I miss it, you, you correct me. Yeah. I won't correct you. So then uh, Rose kind of understands what she's getting at. She kind of taps her on the shoulder as as to say thank you. And she heads down the hallway to talk to her mom. Doesn't she have like one last interaction with Dorothy? Is this where it is? Where she asks like, do you think our kids will come visit us? Oh, yes. Yes. And Dorothy's like, our kids already hate us. (laughs) Our kids don't want to see us now. Exactly. Which I don't really, I don't know. I guess Dorothy and her, they seem relatively close or whatever yeah i think you so know, but i can see why blanche's kids you know are quite fond of her just right because the fit she threw about having to see her own grandkid well, <laughs> we've never seen phil at this point either yeah, but yeah. um you know sophia seems disapproving of phil's lifestyle yeah. um, at different points in time well we also know that blanche is a little bit criticizing of, of many aspects of her family like didn't she have a feud with her sister yeah, oh, well, yeah, that was the whole yeah. premise of an episode, so yeah. And so uh, we joined Sophia and Alma in the bedroom. Uh, basically, <laughs> Sophia is trying to scam Alma out of some of her winnings, mm-hmm. win some of that money back that she lost. Yeah, at this point, I thought it was going to go in a whole different direction, but, yeah. <laughs> well, we joined her in her bedroom. Right. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. Elderly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Elderly heat. <laughs> yeah. She's back there tunneling with her dessert spoon. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like a very I like different tunneling. treasure. So. <laughs> uh, Rose comes in and asks if they can uh, have a few moments alone. And then she uh, closes the door and asks her mom, you know, am I really making you miserable? And says, yes, you are. You know, I know you don't mean to, but you're, you're you know, over, being overbearing and you're keeping me from having a good time. And I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, Rose kind of opens up and says, you know, after I lost dad, I didn't know if I'd ever get over it. And then when, when Charlie died, you know, that, you know, I think about him all the time. And then I know you're getting older, so I worry about losing you. And I like, uh, actually, I think this is my favorite uh, line of this, this episode, really. She says, you know, just keep me from uh, living isn't going to keep me from dying. Mm-hmm. I thought that was profound. Oh, nice that you chose a line that wasn't a comedy line, um, you know, for, for your favorite one that you felt like... Uh, I guess spoke to you to some <laughs> degree. 
Well, because I like the other one that was funny, but this one I actually like better. Fair enough. I like the fact that it was only like a half step away from like Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) (laughs) Get busy living or get busy dying. (laughs) So you think that was the inspiration? Was that episode an inspiration of that line in Shawshank? And uh, so they kind of hug. Rose kind of lays her head on her her chest and they kind of just, you know, have a tender moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we open the next scene, the kitchen. They're setting places that Dorothy and Sophia are. And uh, Dorothy remembers that the... uh, it's her best china, and it's something that uh, Sophia had given to her at her wedding. And Sophia says, you know, and then you go and get divorced. I should have gotten you something you could have returned, mm-hmm. like a donkey. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess she'd brought the uh, china all the way from Sicily with her. Dorothy kind of, or Sophia rather, says to Dorothy, you know, that's one thing that I always really respected about you. You don't treat me like an old person, you tr- or you don't treat me like an old, decrepit person. You treat me like a person. Right. And I really thank you for that. And then she says, you know, you're a good daughter, and then... You can see Dorothy's kind of touched by that. Touched by that, yeah. Yeah. She says, "I don't know what to say," you know. And then uh, they also do they give each other, you know, they give each other hugs and kisses, basically. They're like, "Says I love." Yeah, I don't remember all the kisses necessarily, but uh, yeah, there was kisses. They showed some sort of affection towards each other. I remember (laughs) the kisses. I don't remember the hugs. Oh really? (laughs) I think he's right. I don't think there were hugs. I think. Well, no. She uh, Dorothy grabs Sophia's you know face and says, "I just love you so much." Yeah, yeah, and she pulls her towards her so she can kiss her. Oh, okay. Um, And then Sophia then returns it by giving her three kisses on the forehead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was, I love you, pussycat. Yeah, yeah. The classic line, right? Mm. And then she says, I don't know what to say. And she says, you could say, I don't know you 50 bucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) The next scene is uh, with Blanche and Dirk in the restaurant because, you know, that storyline is going on too. Right. (laughs) And uh, Blanche, you know, Orders a, a fairly sizable meal. She gets duck au orange and like some sea snails. Yeah, escargot, something of that nature. Yeah. Then uh, Dirk orders just and like a side a, salad. Say what? A side salad. A side, with her watercress, right? Well, Which, I think that's I what, what Dirk orders the watercress salad, yeah. and she then has a fresh tossed salad with blue cheese dressing. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then Dirk orders the watercress, and so then she changes her her. Order to two match his, yeah. yeah, with two lemon wedges, right? Like that's his dressing, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Mm-hmm. What, what is watercress? I was gonna look that up, but I have not. I mean, I think it's kind of like a. It's like a lettuce or something, or. Is it? Uh, yeah, but I think it might be a little more solid, somewhere yeah. between like, uh, not exactly a. Almost like a wedge salad or something, almost. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, I know like what uh, water chestnuts are, so I, I feel like it may be something. Akin to that, almost like a celery type okay. uh, type stuff. I could be completely wrong on that, but that's what I think it may be. Uh, I'm sure Brent will give us an answer here in a moment. Yeah, it's more like it looks like more of like a kale type lettuce. Oh, okay. Anyway, watercress. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Ski easy. <laughs> <laughs> and I think a Waldorf salad is the kind with like uh, like it's not really a salad. No, it's like the yeah Waldorf salads like it's like the marshmallows and the yeah. grapes and stuff. Yeah, oh, it's so like it's almost like a fruit salad type, type of a yeah. dessert type thing. Yeah, pistachios and oh, stuff, okay. cranberries. And so, uh, you know, Blanche changes her 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 order, and then they start having some little chit chat, just small talk. She uh, talked to him about uh, what he did before he was a aerobics instructor, right? Right. And he said he used to work at a museum, and she said, "Oh, that's so cool! I, I work at a museum." And he she said, "I love art," and he says, "Me too. I love lifting it." Right. <laughs> And then he says, you know, really, uh, I found lifting statues, which 
I don't think they would do that. I yeah, I wouldn't think there'd be like a lot of statue a... lifting because that would be quite dangerous. I mean, I would imagine pushing it. There'd be some lifting, but I think the lifting of it would be as minimal as possible to, <laughs> you know, keep the safety of the statue. Yeah. Uh, well, the awkward part was he was surprised at how much exercise it was. Right. Like, why are you surprised by that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's only well, solid su- marble. I suppose if you were like, yeah, I'm getting a job at a museum, and then you found out that you're going to be moving statues around all day, and that was yeah. a, a a primary part of the job, maybe yeah. it's a museum with a lot of rotating um, exhibits, yeah. then you may be a little bit surprised at how yeah. much exercise you got from that job in general, yeah. not necessarily from that one activity. Yeah. So. Well, and then obviously to uh, illustrate his lifting ability, he then picks up the table that they're sitting at. Right. Just slightly, and she's like, no, no, just just put that down. Yeah. <laughs> she calls him honey, like in a like he's a child or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So really, I think she loses the high ground as far as being offended by him. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sounds like her gears are grinding to a halt <laughs> at this point. Exactly. So. Well, and she asks him, like, what kind of book he's read recently, and he says Pumping Iron, mm-hmm. and comments that he uh, saw the movie, but it didn't do the book justice. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and so you can tell, you can kind of look in her, her face, and she's kind of losing interest already. Yeah. Like, in the movie version, don't you see, like, Schwarzenegger's wiener? I'm not sure. I guess I, uh, I don't. I'm pretty sure I've never seen the movie. Yeah. Um, only uh, maybe little clips yeah. of uh, of it. But uh, the clips that I've seen are not the wiener showing clips. Yeah. yeah so. <laughs> Those aren't on the on the preview. No, no, they're not. Yeah. I'm hearing every time you're touching that uh, cord, or every time you touch anything on your microphone. <laughs> so if you're able to avoid that, duly noted. <laughs> Uh, Dirk goes on to say, yeah, I really like being around you, and I like the way you look and the way you sound. And then he says, you remind me of my mother. Yeah. And then because of her thick Pacific Northwest accent. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and you can tell Blanche looks like stunned by this. She's, she's realizing that what she thought was a romantic dinner is actually he's just kind of reminiscent hanging out with his mom. Right. He says, when I'm with you, I feel like, you know, I'm home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like the age difference is not enough to where she feels? Like, obviously, she had one idea of what it was, but there does not seem to be any part of her that, you know, likes the idea of being perceived, you know, like, of, of having any relationship with them, yeah. you know, that's not a romantic one. Like, yeah, well, if that's not the way he looks at me, then, you know. Yeah, I think I think it's twofold. I think, number one, she was like, you know, just logistically, I'm not old enough to be his mother. Yeah. And then I think she also just sort of feels... A Nearly five years. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. Um, and plus, I think she just realizes that, you know, Lester's not the only old fool, that she herself is also <laughs> right. an old fool. Listen to the previous episode if you want to know who Lester is. <laughs> Another so, tour de force. <laughs> and so right one after she... One of my top she... ten favorite episodes that we've done so far. Yeah, I'd say it's in my top nine. Mm-hmm. I, I so far, <laughs> top so. nine? Yeah. Uh, as soon as she uh, realizes, counting the Patroni episodes that we've <laughs> <laughs> the what <laughs> the Patreon episodes we've also done, <laughs> right? <laughs> Are those the ones you guys do without me that actually make money? Yeah, are yeah. actually worth listening to. Yeah, I mean we we, we make <laughs> so much money off of. Uh, well, good for you guys. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's nice of you to to have the charity ones on Monday with me. Yeah. Well, we make a lot of money off these ones too. Oh. We just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, contractually, we split the money 50-50. That if, seems if, fair. If there wasn't a contract, we would love to split you in on it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> I don't want to run afoul of the law. That's right. <laughs> so, no. Credit where credit's due. Like, we wouldn't be able to do the Patreon episodes without the episodes we do with you because those are just a commentary track of this oh, episode. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's going to be so much more entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, each one is like four hours long because um, mm-hmm. we stop and start and, you know, really break down every. Yeah. But we only have your your audio isolated <laughs> and, uh, and commentate on uh, every every breath you take. Well, I mm-hmm. am, uh, you know, stunned, but also uh, honored. Mm-hmm. It is. It is yeah. quite the honor. So. <laughs> so. If you at home would like to subscribe, you can find us under iTunes under. But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like that. But anyway, (laughs) so once Blanche realizes that uh, this is not the romantic dinner she thought it was, she uh, says, "Hey waiter, you know, deep six the uh, the salad. I want the orange duck and a double shot of Jack Daniels." Uh, Then we change scene again back to the kitchen. Sophia and Alma are playing cards, and uh, Dorothy and Rose are cleaning, cleaning up stuff. Sophia asks to uh, play another hand, almost as uh, she's been kind of tired, and she wants to cash in. Sophia crushes the uh, sticks because uh, they're using pretzel sticks to keep track of uh, the tally. Mm-hmm. And then she says, now you've got pretzel dust. <laughs> but uh, I think she said she had like about 20 or 30 little sticks, so she owed them 20 or 30 bucks. Dorothy kind of says, you know, don't be a sore loser. And she's like, you're right. I owe her 30 bucks. Pay up. Right. <laughs> kind of indicating for Dorothy to pay up. They start talking about uh, Blanche being on the date with the younger man. Mm-hmm. Rose does not like the idea of her being on a date with the younger man. Doesn't really give a whole lot of reason as to why. She just seems like the aversion to the uh, idea itself. Right. Dorothy says that she has no problem with it and uh, doesn't see a <clears throat> problem with Blanche going out with someone younger. It says she had done it previously herself. And then Rose's mom even kind of pipes in and says, yeah. And, you know, the three years I had with Ben were some of the happiest of her life. And she goes into a small story about talking about how when uh, Rose's dad passed and all the kids had moved away, she couldn't keep up with the the farmer herself. Mm -hmm. So she hired a farmhand. Rose did not like this story very much Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we find out the farmhand was an ex-con right. and, and kind of a drifter mm-hmm. <laughs> that she had kind of taken in. and then uh, But she loved her cooking, and she loved to spend time with uh, Alma. And eventually he moved in and uh, was with her for three years. But then when it was over, it was over. That makes you realize that Rose was a horrible daughter. Yeah, three <laughs> years. Three years goes by. This man is living at the house, and Rose has no idea about the existence of this man. Yeah. And I always got the impression that she lived in St. Olaf with Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know what exactly brought her down to Miami. I don't know if they discussed that at some point, but you know, that's where I always thought that her and Charlie lived. You know. Yeah. And so, assumingly, she'd be like down the street from her mom, yeah. who you know has been mourning for her husband, yeah. as well as uh, in the bustling metropolis of St. Olaf. Right. Although I guess <laughs> Charlie's been dead for a while, so yeah. it could be in between Charlie dying. Her dad, you know, may have died after Charlie. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So, but yeah, well, it still, no, it still it, stands. He talks about it earlier because she says after dad died, then Charlie died. Oh, okay. 
So that's well, still though, this relationship could have happened after Charlie well, died. Right, um, that's very true. So uh, yeah, so maybe she had already moved, but still, for a daughter who seems so overly concerned about her yeah. mother's health and well-being, yeah. uh, kind of a big, uh, big gap of not giving a shit about what's going on <laughs> in her life. Maybe she's making it for lost time now. Right, could be. So now, of course, at this point, Rose is attempting to be more. What's that? Woke. Yeah, yeah, a little more woke <laughs> and and just uh, generally more accepting of her mother you know still being a vibrant woman and it did lead uh, i think to my favorite personal line of the episode where she said uh, uh he was probably a very nice or he was probably very nice for a drifting ex-con <laughs> yes because <laughs> <laughs> yeah she does scold her mom and then says but but you said he made you very happy so right <laughs> oh she asked she talks about how uh so sophia asked rather you know, did he teach you how to play cards? Because obviously, you know, she's been handing her her hat all episode about playing cards. And she says, yeah, she, she, he taught me how to play cards. And he taught me how to make a gun out of soap, yeah. a bar of soap. Which seems like a useless skill to teach someone because all you could make, I would assume, is a, is a toy gun out of a bar of soap. I don't think there's any way to make a... A gun that can fire bullets out of a bar of soap. It's on how Dillinger escaped from prison. Really? Like, he made a, a gun that fired? No, no. It's just um, to trick people that oh, they had okay. a gun. Yeah, okay. he, he carved a gun out of a bar of soap and then, like, painted it with shoe polish. Oh, okay. And then the dumb guard was like, he's got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And let him out and everything. Because, you know, people were stupid back then. Right. <laughs> Pretty okay, decent. well, fair enough then. Okay, pretty make, decent plan though. Apparently, it worked. Then. Well, and it's stupid because like, it's like if you go to the Dillinger Museum, mm-hmm. you can see it, and it's like, what kind of imbecile was fooled by that thing? <laughs> right, <laughs> like it obviously looks nothing like a real gun. Like it's in a gun shape. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's just it's, it's embarrassing. I mean, it'd almost be like, oh, he's got a gun, and you're just holding up your hand with two <laughs> fingers sticking out. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. But I'm a scogie. <laughs> So, and then uh, they exit, uh, and then shortly thereafter, Blanche walks in and says, I don't want to talk about it, and then Rose and, and Dorothy say, no, no, come back in, what happened? And uh, she explained, you know, the, what she considered to be the disaster of her date, that he uh, thought of her as a motherly figure, not a, a, a potential lover. Yeah. I'm sorry, real quick, um, I guess it was made out of wood, not wood. soap. Oh, so, okay. But anyways, look at that. Yeah, that, that's a... Uh, You'd have to be at a long distance to think that that was an actual I, gun. I like the fact that um, in a child's handwriting on the side, it says like 38. <laughs> like, like if you were that close to be able to read that, I right. think you would recognize that that is not a real gun. <laughs> yeah, really, when you're doing that, you just need to go for the shape and a distance, don't you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Because yeah. writing the stuff on the side seems like it would just make it seem less and less realistic. Yeah, I would think so too. Uh, Blaine says the first time in her life, she feels like she's over 40, and Dorothy kind of says, do you know why that is, honey? It's because you're over 50. Right. <laughs> Dorothy doesn't pull her punches. She no. does not. No, she... Even when her friends are down. <laughs> yeah. She's like, let me just punch you a little bit harder. In the well, as tall as months. she is, if they're down, it's easier for her to kick them. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That is true. It's normally short people with a complex, but Dorothy. <laughs> right. <laughs> the opposite. Well, and then almost over here, so Blanche just basically goes into a little pity party, like you said, just saying, mm-hmm. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. 
At yeah. what age do you think Dorothy passed Sophia as far as height? Uh, nine? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty young. I mean, now, granted, you could make the assumption, you know, based on on what we were led to believe would be an age difference, yeah. that Sophia has shrunk over time to some degree. Yeah. But still, I'd have to think, like, legitimately 10, 12 yeah. years old, somewhere in there, um, so. the two would have crossed paths <laughs> or crossed, uh, you know, heights. Yeah. And so lastly, Dorothy kind of says, you know, I'm not going to stay here and listen to your pity party and you're feeling sorry for yourself. Or she actually says for her and Rose, mm-hmm. she says, we're not going to stay in here. And so uh, Dorothy gets up and st- storms out. Rose kind of follows and she kind of stops the door and says, yeah, what she says. Mm-hmm. And then she leaves as well. And then we're just with uh, Blanche and she kind of considers what they were saying. She's like, huh, she's right. Well, yeah, Dorothy says something to the effect of, like, that you're, you know. You got some money in the bank. Yeah, gorgeous <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, she and does. whatever and a couple bucks in the bank, which is better than most people can say. And mm-hmm. um, Stop feeling sorry for yourself, basically. Right, yeah. And then Blanche agrees and, and the episode closes. So. Exactly. With nobody mentioning the fact that the Chinese vase is now intact by the door. <laughs> is it? I did, I, a lot, I took I a lot to of glue. Yeah. Uh, it's quite the craft project. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to think she sold Mama's jewels to pay for the <laughs> Right. <laughs> now I'm going to say right off the bat, one minor, just, I don't know, irritant about this episode is that it's called uh, Blanche Dates Younger Man. Um, or Blanche and the Young Young definitely Man. Definitely the minor story. Yeah, that was definitely the B story out of the <laughs> two. I mean, Alma was, mm-hmm. uh, like, that side, I think, took up significantly more time. Mm-hmm. and uh, Involved all the characters and uh, stuff. Right. So th- I, I yeah. thought it was odd that they kind of buried the lead with yeah. the name of the name of the episode. Yeah. And um, I mean, it seems like either one of those could have been an episode all on its own. Right. You know? Yeah. It definitely like there was a lot of unmined potential for, mm-hmm. uh, for, I mean, I felt like they, they did the Alma episode justice enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. I sure they could have padded it out the other five minutes that they took away for the Dirk part of it. Mm-hmm. But there was definitely a lot of, uh, a lot of material that they had to have left on the floor for, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Plenty of great one-liners that could have been had that you exactly. know opportunities yeah. missed. Dark and Blanche go to a discotheque, or <laughs> right? <whatever>. Yeah. <laughs> so. But uh, with that said, so my uh, favorite line I already stated for this one was you know that he was probably very nice for a drifting ex-con. Uh, did you have a line that well you you said your favorite already? Yeah, too, it was about, the the living or dying. Right. And did you yeah. have one that stood out for you, Brent? Um, I like the drifting ex-con line. Okay. And then for my MVP, I am oh, going to oh, go. Oh, uh, What's that? Go ahead. Uh, before you pick an MVP, oh sure, I do have a gift. Oh, <laughs> so this one belongs to you. Now, now for those listening, whenever and this, this was, you. this why? Would, thank you and Merry Christmas. This episode would hopefully air uh, sometime May, maybe around the end of February. But we're recording it just a couple of days before Christmas, and Brent has presented the two of us with gifts. So, uh, so now I feel bad because I did not bring anyone's gifts. It's totally fine. Your gift can be your vote for me as MVP. (laughs) I love it. Very nice. (laughs) It is a, uh, it is a glass Christmas ball with a picture of Dorothy on the inside. And And I've got a Blanche. Blanche. Now, are you going to have one of these hanging on your tree as well? I do have a, um, uh, a Sophia. Oh, very nice. Tree. And well, does anybody get a rose? Um, the rose was actually dented. Um, oh, okay. When they showed up in the mail and everything, and I didn't want to give either of you. The rose is planted <laughs> so, in the in the garden now. So I got the Sophia. Um, you know, because I don't know. It seems like most like me. 
Did too. they not offer a cocoa? They did not offer a cocoa. <laughs> well, thank you very much. That is an that awesome. That is really awesome. Yeah, thank you so Dorothy much. Dorothy will go right on my tree upstairs for nope. sure. I'm going to find an ornament now and make you a cocoa. <laughs> oh, that's That funny. will be my, my year's mission. <laughs> Come next year, if we're still doing this, you're getting yourself a cocoa <laughs> ornament. Counting down the next 367 days. <laughs> As indeed, you should. Well, I will... Grant uh, Brent the MVP of the podcast, um, but I'm going to give Alma the MVP of the episode. Uh, <laughs> I thought that she, uh, I typically do not stray from the main cast members, um, but I did feel like Alma was the best, uh, the best of this particular episode. And I, I definitely enjoyed her story about her young lover uh, <laughs> back on the farm. So, did you have an MVP of this? I was actually going to say Alma too, because I thought, you know, she had, you know, Rose clearly downplayed her abilities and she probably claimed, uh, turned out to be one of the most able-bodied guests they've had. Yeah. <laughs> Sophia. Sophia. Yeah. Um, I like the bit about, you know, calling Alma a tough old broad. Yeah. Um, and she has had a lot of good interactions with both Alma and a couple of, you know, cutting remarks to Blanche, but also just her scene with Dorothy about, you know, how much she loved her and how she, you know, gets treated like a real person and everything like that. So. Oh, yeah, very nice. <laughs> good choice. So I would say... Now, this episode, again, kind of like we we just touched on, if you broke it into two separate episodes, I think both sides would have potential to be in a mm-hmm. top episode. Yeah. Unfortunately, with it being broken up the way it was and, you know, five or six precious minutes being uh, siphoned away from the Alma story towards yeah. the kind of goofy Dirk side of the story, I think it, it overall lowers the score for me. So even though I thought it was good and I enjoyed it, I'm still only going to go about a 4.5 overall. I think it had the potential to be, you know, 6, 7 range had it been all one storyline, but yeah. I'm going to go with the 4.5. I'm going to go with a 5 just to give it the extra half a point because they made them, you know, Rose's parents normal size. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Ski Rose? I'm going to give it a 5 also. Okay. So this is right. probably the highest overall score we've given, I think. It's in the ballpark anyway. I, You know, I'll have to go through and – tally up all of our scores to this point um but it's obviously i think if you're talking you know four and a half to five i can't imagine that it's going to be competing down the road Mm -hmm. um (laughs) but uh but it's one of the more solid episodes i think sophia would like it because you know she got a lot of fun time with alma Mm -hmm. and then also you know she got a good time with her daughter so, so this may be Sophia's choice, um, <laughs> at least uh, if we were giving her the, the say to this point. But so. good old Estella is no longer with us. So. <laughs> right. Well, unfortunately, the vast majority uh, of, uh, of these cast members are no longer with us. So, Depending upon when this one airs, Betty White may not be either. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's always in the cards <laughs> that our, our last ma- remaining golden girl could, uh, yeah, could make her exit at any time. So with that, uh, stay golden, Coco. <laughs> Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.